Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Coming home from Ball State a couple of months ago after a concert, we saw lights, spotlights, flashing in circles and lighting the bottom of a broken layer of low clouds on a cold evening. I remembered seeing such lights before, but as a child, now they're kind of a strange sight in this day of social media and other electronic communication, but they were and are a form of communication. As a kid in the early 60s, you would see these huge GE arc lights on trucks or trailers at fairs, carnivals, parades, and the like. You probably don't remember them. Um, they were massive, with mirrors that, and lenses that were 60 inches in diameter, and the, they were almost equally as deep, and the bright bluish-white light could be seen for miles around. Many, I imagine, were war surplus put into civilian use. They had been used to light the sky in search of enemy aircraft at night, but in their present use, they hoped to entice people to come searching to see what the light is being used for. What's the big deal requiring this attention-grabbing use of light? Quite a different use versus that of spotting enemy bombers that would send people into hiding. At Epiphany, we celebrate the star and the wise men who were drawn from afar to follow it, to see what the big deal was. It was common in their day that the appearance of celestial bodies like stars signified the births of kings. The report of seeing a star certainly had Herod rattled, as we heard in the gospel lesson yesterday. For him, the light that drew the wise men with hope and anticipation represented a threat to his kingdom and his power. His became a search-and-destroy mission to find and eliminate the threat of this new king, and in the process, killing all the male children in the region of Bethlehem. But for the wise men, it was a mission of bearing gifts for this new king and following the star, the bright signal light, if you will, given by God. Isaiah spoke repeatedly about the light that would shine into the darkness, in Isaiah 9-2, he says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. The light was for the Israelites, but it was also for those who dwelt in deep darkness that were afar for the Gentiles. And the light shone on them as well. It is fitting that Epiphany is about 25 days after the longest night of the year, in the northern hemisphere anyway. Sometimes I really wonder how theology works in the southern half of the globe with Easter and what we would think of as autumn and Christmas in the middle of the summer. Just different, I guess. But it is fitting that we sit in darkness and worship during Epiphany and even Advent and Christmas because of the light that has shone. And it is not the light of the star special as that was for the wise men, but the light of Christ into the whole world. In front of you are new pew Bibles. See them there, nice and shiny. Take one out. Open it up. Any page, doesn't matter. Hmm. Okay. Try another one. Try a different page. I don't know. No light. Wouldn't it be great if there was just a big flash of light that would surround us all and call us to God? A light that would erase all the memories of all the evil stuff we have said and done. 
That way, with such an obvious and huge sign from God, we could learn to trust Him and we could go on from that point not doing any of all that evil stuff again. But wait, Paul, bright light, thrown off the horse, blinded, sight regained, becomes the great apostle to the Gentiles, yet writes, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law, and that is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. He knows what not to do, but he keeps doing it. Paul great apostle. What if we had God present with us like a big pillar of fire in the darkness? Ooh, that kind of light would simply scare us away. With no desire to be near a God of such power and might, the light would instill fear, like the searchlights looking for bombers sending us into hiding, or like the light on my Sinai that all the Israelites went, Moses, you go, we're staying here. So the light comes instead, yes, a star but the light is truly the child. Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The fact is that in this life, we live in darkness. And if we are honest with ourselves, our sinful nature likes the darkness. It hides us, we think, from God, the God our sinful nature is afraid of and hates. But this darkness has been penetrated to the life and the coming of Christ into the world for all nations and all people. The coming of God into human flesh, not as a terrifying blast of light or fire. He's come as a small child, an infant. God has walked with us in this darkness of sin that envelops us. He, know, he knows our Paul-like struggles against sin that is in us. He intimately knows our human condition and his desire is to be with us. Not only that, he also desires to be in us through baptism to save us. Oftentimes, we simply like stumbling around in the dark. We have gone through Christmas wanting more and more and more, blindly desiring more gifts, more food, more drink, more time, more money, more of what it is often that is not good for us. We easily look inward at what we want, and in the sight of God's law, it leads to shame, guilt, worry, even loneliness and depression, especially as we add to it our sitting in the darkness of winter. Then the love of God is shown to us in the coming of Christ. Isaiah 42.16, Isaiah writes what God speaks to him, and I will lead the blind in a way they do not know. In past they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things I do, and I do not forsake them. The wise men were certainly on a path that was unknown, seeking an infant king, meeting with kings along the way, being told to return and report back what they saw, 
and then a dream telling them to return home another way, guiding them. God wants another way for us. He wants us to know life and forgiveness. He wants us to know a conscience that is forgiven, free from guilt, and no longer afraid of God. We no longer need to be afraid because He has promised us, His children, that our sins are remembered no more. We confess, God forgives, God forgets them. It's hard for us to believe that. And the devil dredges them back up in our face. The devil wants us to know death and darkness. And it is an ever-present reality in this life where we will all, in fact, one day die. But God in Christ wants us to know that this life is not the end. And that eternal life in heaven awaits all who trust in His Son. Life, forgiveness, cleansed conscience, no guilt, no fear. These are the things God the Father does for us through the light of His Son. He will not forsake us no matter how dark things may seem. We have the promise of Christ to always be with us. As you walk out of here tonight, look at the stars and the darkened sky. Imagine the wonder of the wise men as they followed one bright star to where Jesus was. Then turn around, look back here to the church and to the mystery that God is with us right here. The search is over because forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation come in the light of Christ who is present in the Word proclaimed and the sacraments administered here. It is by the same power and might of the same God that guided the wise men to the infant Jesus. God is with us in the name of Jesus. Amen.